Just a minute. I'm coming. FBI, open up! Just a minute. Hello, everybody. This is Legal Man. Welcome to the show. It's going to be a good episode. I continue Spooner's fantastic essay, A Letter to Grover, Cleveland. We're talking about some of the best parts of it. He discusses what it means to regulate. He discusses what it means to have a natural right to enforce your contracts and what society has done in the double justice system. He discusses all sorts of stuff and he blows it all up and it's fantastic. And for people who don't know me, I'm a lawyer, practiced for more than 30 years. I'm America's most trusted and beloved lawyer because I tell people the truth. The truth is I was a constitutional conservative for years and years and years. I was fooled by those scammers. I believed in the glory and the founders and the father crap and got to get the right people in there and get back to the Constitution. All the stupid crap you hear from constitutional conservatives. I believed it for years and years and years and promoted it. And then about 25 years ago, I got the Internet. And in fairly short order, I figured out those guys were scamming me. They were a grift to keep me on a tax-paying plantation. And when I figured that out, I became self-certified as a master practitioner. And I don't need them anymore. And I've given myself a Lifetime Achievement Award for all the fantastic work I've done explaining this system to people in these podcasts. And now that Jones Plantation movies come out, I play Mr. Jones. People need to go there. Jonesplantationfilm.com. Buy the movie. Get some gear. Give it to people. Give them gift certificates. Support that movie. Because that movie is a fantastic way to get through to people and explain the system. And in fact... As a result of the incredible acting job I did in there as Mr. Jones, I awarded myself the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and I'm very proud of that, so thank you. And I love to make fun of credentials and other silly awards like that because it's the way that they control people and thought. They make sure that professionals must do this and must learn that and have to go accredited this and get licensed that. And as soon as you step out of line from the officialdom, boom, they take your license. Boom, they threaten you. <laughs> and that's how it keeps people in line. And they teach people a bunch of made up crap and then they go out and they spread it. And anybody can look at the history of what's happened over the last 150 years with this crap. Now you need a license to cut somebody's uh, fingernails. This is how silly it's all become. And this is the government control system. So I like to mock it and make fun of it. Okay, enough of that. Let's get this show going. So I'm going to continue the fantastic essay. A Letter to Grover Cleveland by Lysander Spooner. We're way into it. We're much closer to the end than we are to the beginning. We're talking about the power to regulate through interstate commerce and the way it's been completely and totally tortured and flipped upside down and created into this megalith that allows Congress supposedly to be authorized to pretty much regulate anything. The water that flushes in your toilet. Wicker v. Filburn, which is the grain you grow in your own farm to feed your own animals. They called that affecting interstate commerce. It's all just completely ridiculous, ludicrous. And the fact that the people believe that this star chamber of jokers called the Supreme Court, who sit for life, supposedly hold the authority to simply declare the law that we then must all obey for all times. It's ludicrous. And constitutional conservatives promote this nonsense, and they don't point out the complete and total absurdity of anybody ever agreeing to such an absurd system. And the fact that the idea that this is a government of, by, and for the people is a complete mockery when a star chamber of unelected people can simply 
tell you what the law is and flip back and forth and reverse themselves and redefine it and distinguish and tell you what a woman is and it isn't and what marriage is and you can't have abortions and you can't have abortions. You can only have these kind of abortions. You can't have guns. You can't say this. You can't say that. Oh, the First Amendment, this. They can regulate that. They can spend on anything. Oh, it's a three-pronged test. The idea that there's some star chamber who does this and it binds everybody is preposterous. I've told people again and again. Court systems work for one thing, to adjudicate actual cases. The Supreme Court knows this. Their opinions do not bind anyone who's not in the case. <laughs> you have to have subject matter and personal jurisdiction over anyone before the court can even offer an opinion. The idea that they can bind me to a case that I've never even joined in and had any opportunity to argue is laughable. It's absurd. And yet, that's exactly the system that people believe exists. And they're told over and over was the greatest system ever designed. And that's what we have. And if you don't like it, then you have to go and get a constitutional amendment or wait years and years and years to try and get the supposed right people up on the court so that then they can hope to get a new case, so that you can hope to get a new outcome from your new case with the new justices. It's just all utterly asinine, people. We're not bound to this nonsense. And the Interstate Commerce Clause is classic. And Spooner was writing back in 1880. <laughs> he was writing 140 years ago. And still, it was so outrageous and abused. The idea that to regulate means that they make up arbitrary rules however they care to. That's not what it means. So who gave us the definition of to regulate? The Supreme Court. <laughs> See, this is where all the mischief is, and we've been covering it and covering it, and it's just so important and so fantastic. So I want to pick it up again, and I want to read the paragraph right before, because I like to put the stuff in context, and it's so great anyway. So let's go ahead and get this going. This false definition of the verb to regulate has been used time out of mind by knavish lawmakers in their courts to hide their violation of men's natural right to do their own businesses in all such ways that are naturally and intrinsically just and lawful, as they may choose to do them in. These lawmakers and in courts dare not always deny utterly and plainly men's right to do their own businesses in their own ways, but they will assume to regulate them. And in pretending to simply to regulate them, they contrive to regulate men out of all their natural rights to do their own businesses in their own ways. Wow, it's so good. See, this idea that to regulate has this arbitrary meaning of making up anything they want. It's just not true. Nobody would agree to it. No one would even know what the right means. How can you grant someone the authority to just randomly dream up rules? It doesn't even make any sense. To regulate meant to bring it back into the free flow and that when things entered in that were an attempt to screw up the proper free flow of exercise, however men care to, of their right to contract with other men. Then the government was in power to make sure that that was removed and that the free flow continued. But instead, you have all this crap where they dream it up like the Wickard v. Filburn. Drugs, all these different drugs and the FDA, every kind of pesticide, every kind of mineral and every kind of transportation constantly regulated, arbitrary. You can only have so many miles per gallon. You can only do this. You can only do that. It's all absurd. Nobody would have ever given them this power. And the idea that 
this is a limited government and this is what the people gave them. It's just asinine and absurd. It's an insult to the intelligence of anybody. And yet the constitutional conservatives run around and pretend to be these intellectuals in media, academia, pushing this as though they're for liberty. And they continue to push all this nonsense. (laughs) So let's get into the real reading now. How much have we all heard, we who are old enough, within the last 50 years of the power of Congress, the states to regulate the currency? (laughs) You hear this? This is because he was pissed about these legal tender laws, which I've already covered in many different episodes and is already in the essay. Those are the problem. It's not the Fed Reserve. It's these legal tender laws. Of course, the Federal Reserve is unconstitutional. But the legal tender laws, they had to pack the court. The Republicans packed the court after the Civil War and jammed through these totally unconstitutional legal tender laws that permit them to, in effect, regulate every single kind of transaction in the entire country and to keep everybody completely and totally enslaved to the international bankers. That's what it's about. And he's saying in 1880, people were sick of it, who'd been around for the last 50 years hearing all about this crap. Like we went over with Ogden versus Gibbons. But Casey talks about it's everywhere. Let's continue. And to regulate the currency has always meant to fix the kind and limit the amount of currency that men may be permitted to buy and sell, lend and borrow, give and receive in their dealings with each other. It is always meant to say who shall have the control of the licensed money instead of making it mean the suppression only of false and dishonest money and then leaving all men free to exercise their own natural right of buying and selling, borrowing and lending, giving and receiving all such and so much honest and true money or currency as the parties to any and all contracts may mutually agree upon. Bingo. The dollar, which is worth nothing whatsoever, they force you to take it, exchange it. They print it up, give it to themselves for free, then they take everything that matters, everything that has value from you. And this is the exact same thing that the people who have the benefit of the Federal Reserve and the the access to the Fed window. They get free money. They buy up real assets with this free money that costs nothing. And through that, over the last hundred so years, they bought everything up. That's why you see all the corruption and not one single word about it. Always just this fiscal policy nonsense from the con-cons. They're controlled opposition. They're there to make sure that the people never catch on to the real scam. Continue. Marshall's false assumptions are numerous and tyrannical. They all have the same end in view as his false definitions. That is, to establish the principle that governments have all power and the people no rights. They are so numerous that it would be tedious, if not impossible, to describe them all separately. Many or most are embraced in the following. And now he's going to give a nice little definition of how to sum up all of this utter horseshit that Marshall always spews regarding the sovereignty of the government or the right to regulate, make all these rules up. And it's truly greatness. Let's continue. Number one, the assumption that by a certain paper called the Constitution of the United States, a paper, I repeat and reiterate, which nobody ever signed, which but few persons ever read, and which the great body of the people never saw, and also by some 40 subsidiary papers called state constitutions, which also nobody ever signed, which but few persons ever read, and which the great body of the people never saw, 
all making a perfect system of the merest nothingness. The assumption, I say, that by these papers, the people have all consented to the abolition of justice itself, the highest moral law of the universe, and that all their own natural, inherent, inalienable rights to the benefits of that law, meaning the law of justice, shall be annulled, and that they themselves and everything that is there shall be given over into the irresponsible custody of some 40 little cabals of blockheads and villains called lawmakers, blockheads who imagine themselves wiser than justice itself, and villains who care nothing for either wisdom or justice, but only for the gratification of their own avarice and ambitions, and that these cabals shall be invested with the right to dispose of the property, liberty, and lives of all the rest of the people at their pleasure or discretion, or as Marshall says, their wisdom and discretion. (laughs) That's one sentence, basically, from Spooner. I mean, how great is that? How great is that definition of government? How much would this world be different if people heard these ideas, if people were exposed to these ideas as young people and taught what government actually is, the absolute fraud that it is, instead of the endless brainwashing from both sides about the brilliance and genius of the Constitution and our holy founding fathers. Just the mere name, founding fathers, as though that's some kind of good thing. They're abusive fathers. They're all drunk alcoholics. They screwed everybody with this stuff. It's laughable. They don't have any authority to do any of this. Nobody ever turned this over to them. It's all been massively distorted. The Anti-Federalists warned of every single thing that's happened. (laughs) And yet the constitutional conservatives keep everybody in the dark. They act like the problem is the liberals. We just need to get the right people in there. It's the same old thing. Complaint, complaint, complaint about the liberals and the Marxists. No explanation for how any of this can occur under the Constitution. Just constant haranguing about how we have to get the right people. It's up to you. You have to vote harder. Get more organized. Go to more meetings. It's so dumb. The government was never given these authorities. That's it. They weren't. It was very limited. But, of course, the government was put in there with this so-called constitution after they pulled out the Articles of Confederation and through the courts, time over time, over time, this is where we are. It all came to a head with the Civil War. The people were sick of this crap. They voted to leave. The federal government would not let them. They went down and they killed all the people in those states and burned all their shit and forced them back into the Union. That's impossible in a voluntary union. It's totally impossible. All fucking skipped over by the con-cons. Both sides love Lincoln in the Civil War. Why? Because it held this tyranny together. The people tried to escape it. Now you can't. Now you can't. How great is that description? I mean, it's just so great. Let's read some more. If such an assumption as that does not embrace nearly or quite all of the other false assumptions that usurpers and tyrants can ever need to justify themselves in robbing, enslaving, and murdering all the rest of mankind, it is less comprehensive than it appears to me to be. (laughs) I think it's perfectly comprehensive. I mean, the idea that the people have just given up their right to justice and they just turned it over to Chuck Schumer and Hillary Clinton and Mitch McConnell and all these other jokers to just make up arbitrary rules and then have a star chamber tell us that it's the law and we must follow it. 
It's ludicrous. It's so insane when you step back from the brainwashing and look at what they expect people to believe. And the reason they pull us off is because they never explain natural law. Sure, the con-cons talk about how natural law is this and Montesquieu and some other stupid crap they claim is in the Constitution. It's all made up. It's all blown up. It's all fucking thrown out the window. As soon as you let the government so-called have the authority by giving it to itself through the Supreme Court to just make up arbitrary rules about anything they want and call it interstate commerce, define it any way they want, say it's regulate. Regulate means make up any kind of law they want. Oh, oh, who agreed to that? Nobody agreed to it. It's just something Justice Marshall wrote down. That's it. There's no vote. There's no nothing. You can't lose your rights to a vote anyway. I don't care if 99% of the people vote for something. You can't vote my right away. (laughs) Before any vote could ever be valid, ever, you first have to have a vote that everybody agrees they will live by the terms of that vote. They don't ever have that. Government doesn't have that. There's no vote where everybody agreed that we'll let a couple thousand people 240 years ago vote on some shit that nobody knows what it means, and then they can bind everybody. It's not even possible. It's all lunacy. It's totally and completely ridiculous. (laughs) Spooner just kills him so bad. All right, let's continue. Number two. In the following paragraph may be found another batch of Marshall's false assumptions. And now he's going to give an extensive quote. The right to contract is the attribute of a free agent, and he may rightfully coerce performance from another free agent who violates his faith. Contracts have consequently an intrinsic obligation, but when men come into society, they can no longer exercise this original natural right of coercion. It would be incompatible with general peace and is therefore surrendered. Society prohibits the use of private individual coercion and gives in its place a more safe and more certain remedy. But the right to contract is not surrendered with the right to coerce performance. He cites the same case, Ogden. Do you hear this? Do you hear this? He's admitting these contracts have an intrinsic obligation, meaning that you make a contract, you're bound to it. Okay, that's it. And you have a right to enforce it. And that means that if someone violates the faith, i.e. they don't want to breach their contract, you can go enforce it. This is what the mob does. Try to cheat the mob. They're going to show up and they're going to enforce it. They're not going to take you to court. Everybody has this right, but it's been completely and totally obliterated through the armed agents of government. And they run around, they run down vigilante justice and all this other crap, take it to the judge, got to use a system, law and order, all these cover-ups to bamboozle people into believing that somehow you've surrendered this natural right to enforce your contracts. You've never done that. They've taken it from you, and he explains it very nicely. Nobody in their right mind would ever give this right up. Nobody, unless you're going to get something really good in return. So does government give you anything good in return? Now they give you this multi-tiered justice system that's fake as shit, where the criminals are fine. Anyone connected to government doesn't have to do anything. But for you, they can come after you for anything. They just make charges up. They can get you to plead out. You didn't even do anything. It's completely turned on its head. (laughs) So let's listen to what Spooner has to say about it. In this extract, Taken in connection with the rest of his opinion in the same case, Marshall convicts himself of the grossest falsehood. 
He acknowledges that men have a natural right to make their own contracts, that their contracts have an intrinsic obligation, and that they have an original and natural right to coerce performance of them. And yet, he assumes and virtually asserts that men voluntarily come into society and surrender to society their natural right to coerce the fulfillment of their contracts. He assumes and virtually asserts that they do this upon the ground and for the reason that society gives in its place a more safe and more certain remedy. That is, a more safe and more certain enforcement of all men's contracts that have an intrinsic obligation. That's a very, very fair statement of what Marshall's quote is about. In thus saying that men come into society and surrender to society, their original natural right of coercing the fulfillment of contracts, and that society gives in its place a more safe and certain remedy, he virtually says and means to say that in consideration of such surrender of their original and natural right of coercion, society pledges itself to them that it will give them this more safe and more certain remedy. That is, that it will more safely and more certainly enforce their contracts than they can do it themselves. Again, there's no way to say that that's a misinterpretation, that that's an inaccurate way of asserting what Marshall's saying. Yes, this is the supposed deal. This is the polite society and the social contract. That's fine. I'll make contracts. I still keep my right to make a contract. And if someone breaches the contract, I go to the courts, and the court gives me a better way to enforce my contracts than I can by not being part of society. And that's the deal that's supposedly struck, and that's what he's describing right there. That's supposedly it, and this is the nonsense the constitutional conservatives say all the time, but there's no voluntary surrender to a corrupt system. But that's what they always skip over, that supposedly I've surrendered it, and now that the system's corrupt, I'm not allowed to simply say, well, you've breached. I'm going to enforce my contracts myself. No, 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 no. Now, you still have to stay within the corrupt system. You just have to try to get the corrupt system to do stuff for you, even though it's obvious that can never happen. <laughs> See, this is where it gets so screwed by the con-cons, scammers. Let's continue. And yet, in the same opinion, only two or three pages preceding this extract, he declares emphatically that the right of the government, or what he calls society, the, the civil society is the great one would call it, to prohibit such contracts as may be deemed mischievous is unquestionable. Remember that whole section? When we went through all the right to contracts and they can't disturb the right of men to engage in contracts, well, think of how many ways they do. And Marshall had said earlier, it's unquestioned, of course, the Government can just make up whatever laws it wants if it deems something mischievous, drugs, alcohol, <laughs> the wrong kind of labor agreement, the wrong way to transport something. <laughs> it's arbitrary, make it up. It's all so dumb. You have to wear a mask. You have to shut your business. You have to stay six feet apart. You have to take a jab. You can't travel outside the country unless you agree to all these made-up rules. You have to pay the government 20% of this and 50% of that, but this other person doesn't have to pay anything. In fact, you have to pay him. They can just make all this stuff up. Nobody would agree to any of this. They've disturbed all these contracts. So they say that you have this right you haven't given up. But then he earlier he said that the government does have the right to simply disturb them all, make up whatever it wants, blow them all up. He's not 
honest. See, this is the problem. Supreme Court's not honest. Nobody grades his paper. This is the control system. Let's continue. And as an illustration of the exercise of this right of society to prohibit such contracts as may be deemed mischievous, he cites the usury laws thus. The acts against usury declare the contract to be void in the beginning. They deny that the instrument ever became a contract. They deny it all original obligation and cannot impair that which never came into existence. That's the quote. All this is as much as to say that when a man has voluntarily come into society and has surrendered to society his original and natural right of coercion the fulfillment of his contracts, and when he has done this in the confidence that society will fulfill its pledge to give him a more safe and more certain coercion than he was capable of himself, society may then turn around to him and say, we acknowledge that you have a natural right to make your own contracts. We acknowledge that your contracts have an intrinsic obligation. We acknowledge that you had an original natural right to coerce the fulfillment of them. We acknowledge that it was solely in consideration of our pledge to you that we would give you a more safe and more certain coercion than you were capable of yourself, that you surrendered to us your right to coerce the fulfillment of them. And we acknowledge that, according to our own pledge, you have now a right to require of us that we coerce a fulfillment of them. But after you had surrendered to us your own right of coercion, we took a different view of the pledge we had given you and concluded that it would be mischievous to allow you to make such contracts. We therefore prohibited your making them. And having prohibited the making of them, we cannot now admit that they have any obligation. We must therefore decline to enforce the fulfillment of them. And we warn you that if you attempt to enforce them by virtue of your own original and natural right of coercion, we shall be obligated to consider your act a breach of the general peace and punish you accordingly. We are sorry that you have lost your property, but society must judge as to what contracts are and what contracts are not mischievous. We can therefore give you no redress, nor can we suffer you to enforce your own rights or redress your own wrongs. <laughs> How good is that? See, this is the heart of the problem. This idea that we're supposed to live in this society where the government does all these things and enforces our rights, and this is why we have society and social contract, and this is what governments do, but they don't do it. They don't do it. They do this other completely and totally corrupt thing where Somehow we gave over the right, the government, to simply make up arbitrary rules and then to have a star chamber simply rule on it and then to bring the men with guns to put me in jail. If I try to do something, how many people have to see this? What do you think the J6 protesters are sitting in prison about? You can have the BLM guys go around and destroy everything. You go out there to try to fight the BLM guys and protect something. The cops will come arrest you. <laughs> it's so simple. They run around. And bus drug dealers, uh, these people are engaged in voluntary exchanges. People want to take drugs. Oh, if you do a certain kind of drug and the government licenses it, and you have to get a special permission slip from a government-approved person to buy it in a certain amount so they get the tax, oh, then you can do all that. This is what we turned over to government. But you try to sell something else, you try to sell something that grows naturally, they'll come bust you. Uh, mushrooms, some other kind of weed. Oh, no, you can't do that. <laughs> so dumb. Nothing about this system is freedom. Nothing about it makes any sense at all. 
if you just look at it. And the thing is, people have never, ever, ever been told any of these things. See, they're never given the understanding that these kinds of things are problematic. They're fundamental. They have nothing to do with getting the right people into office. They have nothing to do with trying to get the right justice on the Supreme Court. The stuff is crooked from day one. You can't have any kind of system standing there judging its own paper and making up arbitrary rules. It can never work. Hi, it's Legal Man. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you appreciate the unique insight and information I provide, then go over to my Patreon account for The Quash and become a member. I have bonus shows and material, early access, and it's a good place to meet like-minded people. I have people ask me all the time, what can we do, legal man? (laughs) Well, start by voting with your pocketbook. It's the only vote that really counts. Support things that tell people the truth. Getting people to understand the truth is the only solution we have to this insanity. Look, I get it. There are a lot of people who can't afford to support my show with money. But there are a lot of people who can. And if you can and you like the show, you should support it. That's what free markets look like. The people running this scam, they have unlimited funding. I don't have support of that system. In fact, I get harassed because I tell people the truth that they don't want the people to know. So we have to stick together. So go sign up. Now let's get back to the show. These kinds of things are problematic. They're fundamental. They have nothing to do with getting the right people into office. They have nothing to do with trying to get the right justice on the Supreme Court. The stuff is crooked from day one. You can't have any kind of system standing there judging its own paper and making up arbitrary rules. It can never work. It's not a brilliant system. Nobody would ever agree to it. (laughs) You understand this? This is how, supposedly, we lost all of our rights. That Marshall claims we're entitled to do all these things as a government, as a society. And the only thing you're given is your vote. This little tiny vote. Well, it's completely corrupt. Tons of people couldn't even vote. It doesn't matter anyway when they're all on the same team and you don't have anybody to vote for. It doesn't matter who you vote for, you get the same thing, like those memes. No matter who you vote for, you get John McCain. It's all the same kind of crap. Do you see this, people? Do you see why it is that the constitutional conservatives are so problematic? They take the people that we need who want liberty and freedom, and they drive them into this ditch of constitutional conservatism and completely and totally mislead them as to what the real problems are. The problem is not the way they describe it. The problem is with the document. The problem is with the structure of the system. The problem is this idea that there's some star chamber, some centralized power that can make rules up and then passes on their own validity and then prevents you from enforcing something if you don't think it's just, and then passes laws that say that every court must follow these unjust principles. It's so crazy. It's so insane. I can't believe people don't see it when I point it out to them. I can't believe they continue to go back to defending the Constitution, pretending all this crap could all be made fine if we just get the right guy in there. It's lunacy, people. I want to read one little bit more. Such is Marshall's theory of the way in which society got possession of all men's original and natural right to make their own contracts and enforce the fulfillment of them, and of the way in which society now justifies itself in prohibiting all contracts 
though intrinsically obligatory, which it may choose to consider mischievous. And he asserts that in this way, society has acquired an unquestionable right to cheat men out of all their original and natural right to make their own contracts and enforce the fulfillment of them. <laughs> it's so devastating. You see this, all this sycophantic discussion of how fantastic Marshall, brilliant jurist and all this other crap. It's all nonsense. Once you understand natural rights and you understand the way this is supposed to be structured and you understand the complete and utter corrupt, arbitrary nature of so-called statutory law, it all becomes clear. There's nothing that statutory law could ever add to justice. <laughs> it's not possible. The only thing they can ever do is be redundant or remove justice and create injustice. They can never create justice because the justice is already there. That's it. It's already there. It's to be found in the transaction. That's what natural rights are all about. That's what natural law is all about. And there's nothing you can ever do, no matter how many fancy words and long list of so-called credentials you have, can change that. But they've just confused people and they have this multi-billion dollar industry running for generations now called constitutional conservatism that has completely and totally confused everyone. All the schools, all the foundations, all the chairs, Harvard and Yale and all this made up shit, nonstop entertainment in the media, 24 hour a day so-called constitutional conservative radio, Fox News, all this crap, totally and completely brainwashing people. Once you see it, it's super clear. And once you see it, you can never be fooled again by any of their nonsense. Ever. It can never work on you again. <laughs> I hope that's clear. He makes some other points coming after it, of course. But again, this material is so important and so fundamental. I want to take it in chunks that make sense. And I really think that's a good stopping point because it makes such an important point. And descriptions that Spooner is given and the excerpts that he took from Marshall and the critiques that he makes, they're so devastating to the entire cause of so-called constitutional conservatism, the entire concept of a Supreme Court up there making rules and laws that everyone has to follow and that becomes somehow the law of the land. It's all so devastating to it. The idea that somehow you give up your natural rights under this weird implication and then the government and so-called society can just renege on their entire half of it and then still keep all of yours and prevent you from being able to do anything yourself. It's all so insane. See, it's all completely insane and doesn't make any sense together. And once you see how insane it is, you can never not see it. And then you see the constitutional conservatives for the lunatics that they are in media. They're either the worst kind of bad actors or the most incredibly naive dupes. Their only dupes are knaves. And they just take so many people we need. If we could just get really just 25% of the people they have on their side, it'd be plenty. We could get jury nullification and we could put an end to all this crap. But that's why they pay them millions, tens of millions of dollars a year keep the people totally bamboozled. See, we can never reach liberals. Never. They want the government abuse. They don't want liberty. They don't want freedom. They don't want a small government. They don't want any of that. They want a giant nanny state to try to use it to take your shit so they don't have to do anything. That's what they want. 
That's why I don't spend any time worrying about them. They're unreachable. They're hopeless. But we don't need them with jury nullification. And we have to get people to understand so we can massively decentralize. And the simple reality is it's very clear that's not going to happen. And so this is just for people to understand and maybe to speak to the people they know and clear it up so that hopefully they can understand a little bit more and maybe they can carve out a small little amount of protection. And if you can't even do that, at least you can know what's coming. You can make good decisions and you won't be bamboozled and wake up in the wrong order and get really sideswiped by the constitutional conservative nonsense, like so many of those J6 people. They believed all that stupid shit they heard from constitutional conservatives, and look what's happened to them. Sitting in prisons, everybody running around. We can't even get the tapes from the government. The judges face no consequences. The prosecutors face no consequences. The FBI agents face no consequences. Only the individual does. And they still run around and believe in the Constitution. They just can't see it. But once you see it, you'll never make a mistake like that. And there's plenty of them to make, trust me. You'll understand the system is fully corrupt, and you'll address it as such. And that will save you a lot of time and trouble. A lot. So so I'm going to stop there on the uh, reading today. And hopefully people will pick the essay up and look at it themselves because it's so good. It's so, so good. And his points are so clear. And once you understand them, like I said, you can never, ever be fooled again. So... So that's it for the day. I'm going to leave it there. I hope people have been supporting the Jones Plantation film. Go to jonesplantationfilm.com, buy the movie, watch the movie. It's a fantastic allegory about going from chattel slavery to debt slavery, and it just dovetails perfectly with things like this from Spooner. I play Mr. Jones, of course, kind of a drunk dick plantation owner who's having problems and people seem to really like the movie and I'm glad about that I mean I earned a presidential medal of freedom for the acting I did in that I gave that to myself I really think that was a fantastic thing and I'm very proud of that and if you want to you can follow me on Twitter I'm legal man at US crime review to the extent I'm there and you can never see me because the place is a joke now and I want to thank the people in Patreon who are people who they really have a lot of integrity they understand that the information I've given them is incredibly valuable and really not available anywhere else. And it wouldn't matter how much you spent trying to get an education, so-called, in law schools or reading stuff and wasting time. You're never going to sort it all out like I have because I've practiced law for almost 35 years and I've studied this stuff very carefully and I understand it very clearly. And anybody who listens to my shows will get an education like nowhere else. And I appreciate the fact that the people recognize that and you have integrity and you kick some skin in the game. Thank you. I do appreciate that. And I also enjoy having you there because it's encouraging to know that at least there are some people, small band of people who get it and appreciate it. And we can sit and laugh at some stuff. Same reason I'm on Twitter. So thank you guys. I appreciate it. And beyond that, I don't think there's anything else to say. I can see that my cat didn't make an appearance today. He's been sleeping next to me instead. (laughs) And the other one's just off in the other room being his funny self. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. You guys have been a great audience as usual. Everybody have a nice night or day wherever you are. Take care. Thank you, everybody. Let's put your hands together one more time for Legal Man. Oh, gosh.